Welcome to the Messenger Podcast, where our mission is to develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform our world. We want to use this podcast to share truths that will position you to experience God's best in your life and in your world. And today, I have the one and only Matt Joya in the studio with me. What's up, Matt? What's up, Addison? So, Matt, truth be told, I really wanted Lisa to be in the studio with me today, but she's traveling and really busy, and I'll, I'll tell you why I wanted her to be in the studio. Now, you're really great and awesome and all of that. Please please understand. But you're not Lisa Bevere. I am not Lisa Bevere. That is a true no, you, statement. You're, you're different than Lisa. You look you look different. Uh, I look different. Very different. Yes. But today is the launch of Lisa's book, Adamant, Finding Truth in a Universe of Opinions. But she was too big of a deal today to be on the podcast. Hey, I totally understand. So you're, you're second best, though. I want you to know that. Second best. I was on deck. This isn't just a participation trophy. This is like a second yeah. place ribbon. This could be a hero story. That's right. It could be. I could hit a home run. Yeah. And win the game here. This, this could be your opportunity. Anyway. <laughs> but you shared this amazing message with our team. And you were adamant in this message. You brought the fire. I'll tell you what. And I wanted our listeners to get to hear the message. So we're going to tune in, hear the message for a little while, and then I'll ask you a couple questions. Cool? All right. Sounds good. Let's do it. The other day I was crying out and I was actually having a conversation with Tim. I, I want to see more signs, wonders, and miracles. I want to be used of God more. I want to, I, I want to have more testimonies. And um, the other day I was in King Supers. And I paid for my uh, food or my, my groceries and I was leaving and there was this woman behind me and she was, uh, she had like this really nice like marmot jacket. She was just dressed to the T. You could tell like she had, she was doing okay. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to buy her groceries. And I'm like, nah, she's doing okay. I don't need to buy her groceries. This is just me. How many times have we had that conversation? Like, is this you, God? Is this me? You're not that good. This is definitely God. And so I said, is this really, you want me to pay for it? So I walked back and I just said, hey, you're probably going to think this is weird, but I, I have a relationship with God. And God literally just stopped me in my tracks from going to my car and told me to pay for your groceries. And the guy behind the counter was like, that's so awesome. That's so cool. And she's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. I was like, no, I have to do this. And I want to do this. Like, I would just tell you, and she starts crying. And I said, hey, you're on God's heart and you're on God's mind. And he stopped me in the middle of what I was doing to let you know that he knows what's going on with you. I would encourage you to go and to seek him because he wants to share something with you. And it was just something so simple like that. And I was walking away. I was like, God, that was awesome. I want more of those things. Why am I not seeing more of that? And he's like, and this is what he told me. He said, because you treat your relationship with me and the word of God casually. And he led me to this scripture, and I want to read this. This is a big scripture, so I need you to kind of just pay attention with me. But it's Isaiah 50, 4 through 10, and this is the ESV, and it says this. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. God gives you that tongue, okay? That's amazing. Morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear those who are taught. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backwards. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord helps me. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, 
and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Let's stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. There is so much in this scripture. We could preach for hours, but I want to highlight, and that would be the the theme of my message, is that we need to set our faces like flint. We know that the prophet Isaiah is talking about Jesus himself when he set his face to Jerusalem in Luke 9, 51. See, Jesus is the truth. He's everything that we need to know about God and he's everything that we need to know about man. And we are commissioned to take this truth, to take the word, to take Jesus into the world. And we too must determine to set our faces like flint in the midst of that opposition because we, because we are living in a lost and dying world that needs the truth. So set my face like flint. I want to kind of, what does that mean exactly? Well, many render it to mean this. It's like an adamant stone, the book that Lisa's writing, okay? It's to set yourself as an indestructible stone, hardened against all opposition, resolute, undaunted, constant, unmoved by the words or the blows of men, not dismayed by your enemies or your peers trying to get you off course. You see, we can't be casual or lazy with the truth, with Jesus or the word of God. You say, well, Jesus is my homeboy. Well, Jesus is my Lord. And I serve my Lord with every fiber of my being. And we've already been promised victory in Christ Jesus. So that means that there is literally the nothing the world can throw against me that I don't have the power to be able to overcome. See, what does it mean to be casual? What do you mean, Matt? You're being casual with the word of God. You're being casual with your relationship with Jesus. Well, let's look at that word. It means to be relaxed, unconcerned, happening by chance, irregular. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. The opposite of permanent. See, we get casual when we get comfortable. And the church is in a comfortable state. And that is why we have remained silent on those issues. Because, hey, I'm being taken care of. Everything's okay. Somebody else will fight that battle. But you know, all throughout the New Testament, Paul uses the verbiage of a warrior. He uses the verbiage of a soldier, that we are engaged in a war. And there's nothing casual or comfortable about war. And nowhere in Scripture does it promise you a life of comfort? Nowhere. But you know what? It promises you a comforter, which is even better. Because the comforter is with us in the midst of that war, in the midst of that adversity. And he gives us a joy and a peace in the midst of those things. How could Paul and Silas sing praises to God, beaten within inches of their lives? Because they tapped into something that transcends our experiences, that transcends our human intellect. And that is made available to each and every single one of us. So what are some of the symptoms that you may be treating the truth or Jesus casually? Well, I, lifted, I listed a few These are not exhaustive, but here are a few bullet points. Number one, tomorrow seems to offer a better opportunity than today. 
Yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow will be better. Instead of instant obedience when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. Number two, only the new intrigues you. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm not going to put as much passion or effort into it. You know, give me something new. I want something new. Number three, struggle with seeing things through to completion. Again, I'm bored of this. I've been doing this for a long time. I don't really see the point in doing this. I'm going to kind of abandon it. Number four, you're easily distracted. The enemy is the key of distraction. He's so good at distracting you. And when you set your face like flint, there's literally nothing that's going to come in your peripheral vision that's going to deter you off course. So the enemy's screaming. The enemy's trying to get your attention. But my eyes are fixed on Jerusalem. My eyes are fixed on that cross like my Savior. My eyes are fixed on the calling that God has placed on my life. I will not be moved. I will not be pushed away. My face is set like flint. You can become easily discouraged. That's not going the way I want. Duties are what you perform, but comfort is what you crave. I love what Addison was sharing the other day. God cares about you so much that he won't allow you to live in a life of comfort because he knows that you can't grow in that state. So he will make you a little uncomfortable so that you can mature into what you don't even know is ahead of you. So a lot of time, often the things that you're asking and praying for God to take away from you are the very things that God is allowing so that you can mature and grow into that person that he's destined you to become. Now I want to focus on how the enemy kind of gets us to, to treat the word of God casually or how he's trying to constantly veer our attention away from the truth, away from the word of God, away from our relationship with Jesus. You ever notice that when you go through something, uh, maybe it's a busy season in your life, your car broke down, you got to go do this, that one of the first things to go is your quiet time with God. One of the first things to go is your prayer time. One of the first things to go is your study. Because you look at them casually, you say, well, I got to go to work. I got to take care of the things around the house. I got to pick my kids up from school. It's because we view it casually. So the enemy... This is his tactic. This is his plan. Sun Tzu wrote a book. It's called The Art of War. It's a great book. And what he said, one of the number one mistakes made in battles when you underestimate your opponent. Now, I believe in a big God and a little devil, but I would be insane not to know how the enemy attacks because, again, Paul said, don't be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. So to kind of to share this, I, I want to share a story. I, I, and I love this story. It's the 300 Spartans. It's the Battle of uh, Thermopylae. And so, for those of you that don't know, the Persian Empire and King Xerxes was the largest army um, up until that point. They were literally moving through nations and conquering. And they were getting larger and larger and larger. The world had never seen anything like this army before. And the Spartans got word that they were going to make it to them. And so they sent out 300 of their best soldiers. And they stood in opposition. And King Xerxes was... (laughs) He had many estimate, and there, there are many different numbers on this, up to 400,000 men behind him. Some estimated even close to a million, but we'll just say 400,000 to be conservative. 300 people standing against 400,000. And so he's almost like, this is a joke. And so he says something, King Xerxes says to King Leonidas, who is the king of the Spartans, 
He said, drop your weapons. And King Leonidas said in response to facing an army of 400,000 that had won every single battle that they've been engaged in, he uttered these two words. Well, it's actually like a sentence, I think. <laughs> and it says, molon labe. And what that means is, come and get them. Come and get them. And often the enemy will try to get you to lay down the truth. He'll try to get you to get away from Jesus. But we need to have that warrior spirit of saying, I'm not dropping this sword that is in my hand. I'm not relinquishing control of this word. So you're going to have to come at me if you want me to move because I'm holding this line and my face is set like flint. So the first thing he tries to get you to do is give up. And when that doesn't work, he throws out an insult. So one of the generals in the Persian Empire said this with the 400,000 men. He said, fool, our arrows will block out the sun. There's so many of us. And King Leonidas says in response, then we'll fight in the shade. And you know what? This isn't different from the tactics of Goliath when he tried to get David to quit and when he tried to insult David as well. This is what the enemy tries to do. He really has no power over you unless you yield by fear to his words. But if you understand the price that was paid for you and the truth that you wield in your hand and that you carry, you won't be so quick to lose that, to, to move out of that position. Yeah. And so I want to close with this. And I love that Arden was sharing this. It's 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17. And this is out of the New King James. It says, at my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me. There may be many times that you take a stand for righteousness, that you make a decision not to be quiet and to speak the truth. And you may feel that all have forsaken you. Where are my brothers? Where are my sisters? But let's read on. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthen me so that the message might be preached fully through me. I know that the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but when you take a stand for God, He takes a stand for you. And if we go back to that scripture we had at the beginning, Isaiah 50, it says, But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I won't be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Let's stand up together. So Jesus is inviting you saying, son, daughter, if you take a stand for me, I will stand for you and I will vindicate you and I will empower you and I will strengthen you. But we first, who responds first? We must first take that stand. And then Jesus says, I got your back. Arden shared on the late Billy Graham, what an amazing testimony, so many amazing messages. I went back through YouTube and I was listening to some of them. And he has this quote. I love this quote. And it says, when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. What the church needs now is for its sons and daughters to rise up and to proclaim truth. Gone are the days of silence. We have a voice and we steward the truth. The world needs that truth. 
Who is willing to open their mouths to speak it, to share it? See, this is your calling. And this is your generation. How will you be remembered in that war? I just want to pray so you can bow your heads. Lord, I thank you for the word you gave me, how it built. Father, I just sense so strongly that you're calling us to action. You're calling us to yield, Lord. Not yield when we're in our 30-minute devotion time in the morning, but to live a life of yielding. And yield means we allow you to go first. And Father, we ask for eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask for the wisdom beyond our experience and beyond our intellect, Father. We commit to you to be willing and obedient to share the truth. Would you present those opportunities? Would you give us those opportunities, Father? And would you bless and multiply the work of our hands? We give you all the praise and all the glory because you are so worthy. In Jesus' name, Wow, Matt, that was good. That was so good. I love your passion, man. That's one of the things that I admire and respect most about you. You are, you are a man who lives with passion. It's hard not to be passionate about the word of God when you understand the 300 Spartans facing off against King Xerxes and the Persian Empire, and that King Xerxes calls down to King Leonidas and says, you know, drop your weapons. Yeah. And King Leonidas, in this res- defiant response, and I absolutely love this, utters the words, molon labe, which means come and get them. And it's interesting that the enemy always wants to disarm us. So he's going to do everything within his power to distract you, to lead you away from spending time in God's word, from spending time in God's presence. Why? Because he understands that that is the place that you are going to grow. That's that where is the, the passion place, comes from. That is where the passion comes from. And so, yes, you know, Paul likens our, our walk here on this earth to a spiritual battle. Yeah. He calls us to look at our lives as soldiers. And so we need to recognize and understand that there is a very real enemy of our soul. And he is not stupid. He doesn't want you to be passionate. He doesn't want you to be passionate. He wants you to abandon your trust and hope in God to drift you away. The last thing in the world he wants you to do is to lead others into the presence of God. And so he's going to do everything he can. So stoke that fire. Read the scripture. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister. And it's not about quantity. It really is about quality. And what do I mean by that? I'll actually define that. So when you read a scripture, it doesn't even have to be a chapter. It could be just a couple of verses. Stop. Hmm. And allow that to kind of ruminate and meditate on that scripture. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate things through you throughout the day, just kind of like extracting it. Because there have been scriptures and revelations that God has given me in my early 20s that where I've read that scripture in my 30s, and it took on a completely like deeper meaning in my life. And so stoke that fire. Make sure you're spending time in the word. There's a reason that the enemy wants to do everything he can to, to, to distract you from yeah. spending time in the good. And isn't it interesting that one of the first things we do when our lives get chaotic, when our lives get busy is we tend to pull away from some of those disciplines yeah. that we have in our life. But Timothy tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-discipline. You are a disciplined individual. I don't care what people have spoken over to you. I don't care what has happened up until this point. God has given you a spirit of self-discipline. That means that you can wake up 
early in the morning and spend time in God's word. That means or at night. Or or at night. If you're a night person. If you're at night, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> the the point is that you have the self-discipline to yeah. be able to carve out that time to spend that consistent time. And that's really where you grow. That's where God nourishes yeah. you with. That's where you stoke that fire. So I think what I'm hearing you say, Matt, is busyness too, distraction, all of these things, they keep us from developing that passion, that fervency, because we're not stoking those things that right. are most important and most central to our being. Right. And you know, busyness can actually be a sign of laziness. Busyness can be a sign of you not taking the discipline to organize and prioritize your day mm. or prioritize the things that are in your life. So often laziness will masquerade as busyness. Yeah, that's so true. We talk about that a lot around here. We do all the time because we need to hear it. Yeah. Because a lot of times we like to say, well, the reason that I can't get to this, the reason that I can't get yeah. to that is because I'm busy. But if we take a step back away from the emotions, away from trying to process a hundred things all at once, we'll realize that we've probably done a poor job of setting up our day and you can't run in a million different directions all at once. You can't. You can run in one direction really well at a time. Right. You have to be organized. I'll just say this one last thing. You can be the most. You can be the best looking person on the face of the planet. You could have the strongest muscles. You could be the most talented, most gifted individual to ever walk this earth. And without a spine, you're not going anywhere. You're just a pile of mush. So you have to organize your day. You can have these dreams. You can have this passion. You can have this vision. But if you're not exercising the spirit of self-discipline that God has given you, that God paid a price to give yeah. you, then you're just going to be moving in a million different directions and you're not really going to get anywhere. Wow. Well, Matt, I think we're out of time for today, but man, thank you. Always thank you for your passion, your fervency. Thank you for what you shared. And I know everyone listening today got a lot out of what you shared. So thank you. And I also want to remind everyone listening that today, today, April 17th is the release day for Lisa. Yeah. New book. Adam at Finding Truth in a Universe of Opinions. I love you, Mom. A lot of the insights that Matt shared today are similar to different things that Lisa covers in the book. So be sure to go to IamAdamant.com and check out the book, IamAdamant.com. And everyone, again, thank you so much for joining us today. We love to hear from you. So let us know how these messages and conversations are impacting you. Or let us know if there are certain topics you'd like us to tackle in the future. We would so appreciate it if you'd rate the show or write a review. And if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends. That's it for today. Matt, any closing words? I want to send you off with this one final thing. I knew there was something. Yeah. It's, it's not complicated. The enemy probably right now is whispering to you. The, yeah, there's no way you're going to get that off the ground. Take time aside. One act of obedience. One act of obedience is better than a thousand sermons preached. Dietrich Bonhoeffer <laughs> said on. that. So just find that one piece of time and spend time in God's word and then set up the next one. I love yes. Levi Lusco actually said this, that sometimes when we set goals, we set them so large that we're never going to fulfill them because when we think about them, we get intimidated and then we find something else to do or the enemy distracts us. So he says, set the goal very small. So in other words, if you're trying to build your chest, just say, I'm going to send one push-up. So one push-up, I mean, will it take more effort not to do the push-up than to actually get down and do the push-up? And so you'll find yourself not trying to avoid it, not trying to uh, find a distraction to avoid doing it. And when you're down there, you'll actually say, well, that wasn't that hard. Maybe I can do another one. And see, the importance is of setting the habit. You yes. want to create the habit or the discipline of doing this each and every single day. And before you know it, you'll start to spend more time in God's word. You'll start to do more push-ups. So yes, you can set up that discipline. And I, I promise you, you're going to be glad that you did. That's so good. And remember, 
acts of obedience always lead to the capacity to do greater acts of obedience. Oh, that's so good. Right? So we're going to leave you with that. Matt, thanks again. Everyone, thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time. Thank you.